1: Well, hello, everyone,
2: and thank you for being part of our show today. It's always exciting for me that each and every one of us, we recognize that the greatest value that we can bring to life is to be a student, that we are always learning, regardless of our degrees or our credentialing or where we may perceive ourselves to be. We're always learning different tools and different ways of being, how we can truly be an intentional spirit. I am so happy today that we have Steve Behrman with us. He's a renowned author. He is internationally known as a humorist, a workshop leader, and he has written and performed as Swami Beyond the Nanda from the Cosmic Cosmic. <laughs> he is an incredible human being, and he's actually here on campus with me today. What what a wonderful experience, and I know that you are in for such a treat. So, Steve, welcome to our show today, The Intentional Spirit.
3: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate what you said about learning because learning is our human way of, uh, of evolving and the evolution has begun.
2: And we're learning every day, aren't we? I mean, it, it's just really true what uh, it says on the refrigerator, you know, that mag, Man, it's what I learned after I thought I knew everything, you know, that really counted, right? So that's for sure. Well, Steve, tell us uh, about you. How did you become an intentional spirit and get into doing the kind of work uh, that you do now?
3: Well, first of all, I really, I'm really two people. Um, I'm, of course, Steve Bearman, who uh, the way I was born, and then for the last twenty-five or thirty years, almost, I've been. Uh, doing comedy as Swami Beyond Ananda, the cosmic comic. And, you know, as a kid, I spent my deformative years in uh, in Brooklyn, New York, where comedy is king. And as a kid, I was a class comedian. And, and, by the way, you know that this is your calling the first time you're in a lunchroom and you make another kid laugh so loud that so hard that milk comes out of their nose. That's how you know that you've been called to that. <laughs>
2: Now, and that's a visual.
3: <laughs> it is. And if you ignore that signal, then then when the, each, a green pea comes out of his nostril, then you know that uh, you're, you're ordained, ordained in this. Or you, you make know, like somebody so many...
2: laugh. You're giving me a belly laugh just explaining it. That's when you know you're a great comedian, shall we say. <laughs> that's awesome. You know, and I was...
3: I was told to take things seriously, like everybody, and I really, 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 really tried. I was in uh, I was in college and trying to blend in and I'm in a sociology class with about two hundred and fifty other very bored individuals and the professor is talking about social mores, you know, and I'm I'm in a space between sleep and deep sleep and at some point she asks the class who can define for us social mores? And without even thinking, I'm up and what comes out of my mouth is when the moon hits your I like a big pizza pie at Samore. Everybody, when the laughter died down, uh, I got a D. She gave me a D in that class just for that. But, you know, it was earned. And, and I went through a serious career, which I had a great time. I was uh, I was a teacher. I started an alternative high school. And I thought I was being a professor at Wayne State University when a funny thing happened. And the funny thing was, I got laid off from my job and the only job I could take uh, and get at that point was doing tree work for the city of Ann Arbor, Michigan and while at this job as synchronicity would have it as destiny would have it a fellow worker and I started an anonymous humorous newspaper for the other guys at the shop and we totally transformed the workplace through playfulness we were able to introduce ideas that were unfamiliar we were able to let new things in under the radar and say things that you can only say in the language of humor. And that's when I realized, first of all, that I was good at doing this, and secondly, that um, this is a transformational and healing tool. And so for the past uh, 27 years or so, I've been performing comedy as Swami Beyond Ananda.
2: Well, I love your work and I have been, um, since I first started in ministry, I don't know how I was so fortunate, um, uh, to hear, you know, um, about you, but I, I remember early on, uh, hearing about you when I was in ministerial school and I've, I've used so many of your, they're just amazing statements that, uh swami makes you know uh is just very powerful like um i love the idea of when you talk about the um that everybody is a mystic um they're either a optimistic or a pessimistic so that i i use that a lot um i use um uh, the one when you talk about that people experience uh elbow mysticism. You know, you're the person in the audience and you're listening to the speaker and you elbow the other person and say they're talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) They're just great tools that you have going out there.
3: I appreciate that and, you know, I've always loved words and, you know, in terms of the spiritual part, you know, I I grew up in a fairly non-religious family and you know, I discovered my own spirituality, and in a certain regard, um, you know, maybe as as we become more enlightened as a species, we'll recognize the 7 billion different religions that we have, and our, you know, having that individual connection is really what's very important, and the people gather in communities to celebrate that. And uh, so I've done various forms of uh, yoga and meditation. I discovered uh, unity. Well, and I, in fact, one of our first gigs was at Unity Village at uh, somebody was uh, at a at a uh, um, graduation or ordination ceremony. I think it was in 1987. You know, and so you you begin to to realize that there there are communities of people who are understanding that uh, the entire nature of spirituality is is love. Really, it's quite it's really simple. And, uh, you know, recently, in recent years, I've worked with Bruce Lipton, the cellular biologist, and we wrote a book called um, Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future, and a Way to Get There from Here. And that's really where we're coming to recognize that modern science is now affirming what ancient wisdom has been telling us for millennia, that we really are all connected and that we are each cells uh, in a superorganism called... Humanity, and we are now in this space. I think between between two realities. You know, the reality, as as my friend Charles Eisenstein calls it, the the, the beautiful world our hearts know is possible, and uh, and then all of the other uh, craziness going on around us, as the um, unworkability just starts to fall apart because it's unworkable and. You know, it may look like chaos from the outside, but what's happening is that the caterpillar is dissolving and the butterfly is emerging.
2: I love that. Would you please say the name of your book again with Bruce Lipton? um, Because I know that people are wanting the opportunity to write that down. Also, where can they go in order to get that?
3: Well, let's see. The book is called Spontaneous Evolution, Our Positive Future and a Way to Get There from Here, published by Hay House. Uh, they can go to my website, wakeuplaughing.com, wakeuplaughing.com, and there's a store there. And uh, if they buy it, if they buy the book, I'll send them some articles that uh, were adjunct to the book but didn't quite fit.
2: How long has that book been out, Steve?
3: It came out in 2009. So it's been about four and a half years. Um, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. The, you know, we, we actually, when we wrote the book, we thought of spontaneous evolution as a noun in the future. And now we're coming to recognize that it's a verb in the present. You know, this, that, that magical date of December 2012, it really does feel like a change happened. It really does feel like the old... Uh, has expired, and the new is uh, is popping up everywhere. Where I, my, the book I'm working on right now is called Evolutionary Upwising, as in wising up uh, self-help for an awakening species. And this book uh, really takes it to an even more practical level as to how we can weave our own vision, mission, and heart's desire into this emerging evolution that's happening right now. We don't have to wait.
2: It's just all right here, right here in the moment.
3: hmm Yeah, I mean, we see signs. I mean, of course, you know, sometimes, um, as, as my colleague Bruce Lipton says, crisis precipitates evolution. And we look around us, and we see that the chances of precipitation are about 100%. I mean, um, everything seems to be in crisis, from the planetary ego, the ecosystem to the human ecosystem economics, politics, etc., And, you know, it's boiling down to one simple thing. We're either connected up, and this may sound like an oversimplification, but it really is, seems to be the case. We're either connected up with our love or we're separate. And when we're separate, we're susceptible to fear, we're susceptible to manipulation, um, we're susceptible to all of those thoughts and feelings and beliefs saying, nah, you know, you can't do that. We, you know, human nature will never change and all of this stuff. And every indication is that um, what we consider our hardware, the way, we're, we're, the way we imagine we're hardwired, it's really software. And through the work that you're doing, through the work that's being done through the many, many uh, different emerging paths right now, people are coming to recognize that they can install different software and begin to live in a different context, not the context of it's either you or me, but the context of we're all connected. We're all in this together.
2: I love what you have on your website. Um, one of the, the quotes and again, the website is wakeup com. So you can find out a lot of things about Steve and Swami beyond Ananda. Um, I love the statement, joy is the bottom line underneath all the stress, distress, and negativity in life. There is a deep well of joy. Each time healing laughter bubbles up from that well, we experience deep wellness. That is so powerful. And I, I feel with my line of work and the various things that are at any given time uh, offering an opportunity for my attentiveness, Um I feel that's been something that's really helped me, uh, be a spiritual leader and, and do the kind of things that I do is that I, I can laugh at myself and I can laugh just period. Um, and I, I urge anybody out there that, you know, if you're on this path of taking life way too serious, um, learn how to laugh at yourself because it does, it, it frees you. Um, and you're really into that, that wellness place. Um, and when you have the opportunity to meet Steve in, play, in person <laughs> and his beloved uh, partner Trudy, um, you can't help but laugh because he's just—he's just on on funny. That guy, he's he's on the air funny all the time. So, um, Steve, do you um, do you find that people tell you that often? You know, thank you for helping me see that spirituality can be fun.
3: You know, uh, I I just do this naturally, Uh, and of course, sometimes I have to control myself because you don't want to interrupt a conversation that doesn't really need to be interrupted. So I'll come back and I'll say to Trudy, I'll say, Trudy, I was a good boy. And she'll say, oh, what didn't you say? And then I'll tell her what I didn't say, and we laugh about that because (laughs) it's disruptive. Um, And sometimes patterns can be disrupted through the appropriate humor when i lived in in texas we had a wonderful neighbor but she would you know she'd get all she would cause all of these kerfuffles and problems and then the next day she would feel this remorse you know and so she called me one day feeling very remorseful and apologetic and and she said does everybody in the neighborhood hate me i said of course not there are people here who don't even know you and she burst out laughing, you know because again, we all have these blind sides to our to to the um, let 's say emotional issues that we come to heal and we bring to heal, and when we have the power of humor, uh, we call it self facing laughter because it helps us face ourselves and laugh at ourselves not in shame or embarrassment, but laugh at ourselves in love, and it creates a space of separation between the observer part of ourselves and the ego, Uh, and and the mind. You know, the mind really wants to come to a conclusion. You ever wonder why jokes have one, two, three, a minister, a priest, and a rabbi. So a minister, minister, priest, and a rabbi... I kind of probably know why.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's a scary thought, but I I probably know why. Oh, that's funny.
3: So so a a minister, priest, and rabbi are discussing their legacy. How do they want to be remembered? What do they want people to be saying when they're in their casket? And the minister thinks, and he says, I want people to say... He was a family man and a pillar of the community. And the priest thinks, and he says, I want people to say he was a holy man and a leader of his flock. And the rabbi says, I want people to say, look, I think he's breathing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
3: (laughs) So so we have that because we, we set up the premise, the linear mind, the logical mind, that kind of plods along, along a one track, who wants things to be predictable, who wants things to be safe, who thinks it knows the answer. Um, we have number one, in this case, we gave that one to the minister. The minister sets up the premise. And number two, the priest reinforces the premise. And number three, where we laugh, it upsets the premise because it disrupts the predictability of things. And That's why humor can be so powerful in these evolutionary times where we do need to emerge from old ways of thinking and find new ways. And it's a a creative tool because it causes our, first of all, it causes breathing. And breathing, as we know, is the key to long life. We breathe in, we inspire, we don't, we expire. So breathing is good. And what happens is it sends more oxygen to the brain. We have more capacity, more capacity for creativity than we have when we're simply in the fight or flight, in our limbs, uh, looking to, um, you know, escape danger.
2: I love what you said um, when we – because you just say them, they just roll off you so quickly. <laughs> Everybody else going, <laughs> what? What? What did he say? So I'm going to elaborate. When we breathe, we inspire. And when we don't breathe, we expire. We expire. Well, it's amazing that our that our uh, time for break is already upon us. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening today to the wisdom of Swami Beyondananda and Steve Fairman. And you can go to his website, com. And once you get to know him and his work, trust me, you'll be laughing a lot. We'll be right back after this show break
1: You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on donate now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. Thank you for listening to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at spirit at Now, here is your host, Reverend Temple Hayes.
2: And welcome back, everyone. and. Uh... Again, I just want to thank all of you for continuing to support our work and letting people know about our radio show, The Intentional Spirit, uh, on social media. It's because of you that we have people listening to the show live or either listening as an MP3 download later uh, from all over the world. So I just really honor you. Because of you, we are able to reach beyond the choir of positive thinkers into reaching people whose world is ready to be changed, and I love being part of that evolution. As so does my guest today, Steve Behrman, also known as Swami Beyondananda, and he is imparting to us just great wisdom, and this is definitely the kind of show that you want to share with your friends. Uh, It's light, and yet it's profound. As we know, the most profound teachings in the world are simple, and often they have humor attacks. And so Steve, you've got all of that. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> you are the mystic of the now. Oh my.
3: <laughs> well Swami would say Swami would say, living in the now will be the wave of the future and time itself will become a thing of the past.
2: <laughs> well, I I think that's a great idea because um you know, we see often, uh, I see it here in the spiritual community that every now and then I have to mention to people, it's okay to stay here an hour. You know, you're really not going to miss that much in your life trying to get somewhere else. But, um, often, you know, when we talk about, uh, not placing any other gods before our own natural selves and creation, uh, people do get really hooked into time and, and, and being busy. What is Swami's take on that?
3: Well, you know, I have had what I call Swami Beyond the Nunders weight training for people who hate to wait. Now, I myself, when they gave out patients, I didn't get any because I got tired of waiting. And so we help you achieve your perfect weight. And it doesn't matter how long that weight is, as long as you're breathing, that is a good sign.
2: Well, well, Swami, what what can we tell people to help them out, you know, like... um... It's rushing your life. There's just um, no no need to do that. So how can we how can we offer some Swami insight to support us? Well,
3: I said this is what I do. You know, many years ago, somebody said if you want to purify, you must fast. And I said, you know what? Everything is already way too fast. So I have developed a technique. I call it slowing. Once a month, go on a slow. You take as long to open your eyes as it takes the sun to come over the horizon. When you get out of bed, get out of bed one cell at a time. This is very, very powerful. I'm telling you, I did a one. I did a three-week slow. I can't watch baseball anymore. It moves too quickly for me. Yeah, so... I love that. Yeah, this is very, very quieting the mind and all of that. And, and you know, people talk about mindfulness, but I think one of the biggest issues that people have is mindfulness. Their mind is so full, so I think you have to empty that out. And I people tell me all the time, Swami, oh, you're so full of emptiness, which is good.
2: But that's the way we desire to be, isn't it? So the new of our becoming can come into being.
3: That's right. That's right. Because if you have, if are all filled up, there's nothing else that can come in. And so, what you want to do is you want to empty your mind. I ha- I have a technique for emptying the mind. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that we do is we we are often uh, at the effect of our own ego. And so, I have developed a three word mantra to help people release the grip of their ego. Would you like to learn it?
2: I would love to learn it. I'm ready.
3: Okay, go like this: ego. E going, e Ego. gone, like that. Very simple. <laughs> e
2: Ego, going, e gone.
3: <laughs> like that. Yes. And uh, yes, I, you know, and so I become very humble. In fact, I take great pride in my humility. So that's good.
2: <laughs> I could literally just follow you around with a, a notepad and take notes. It's just, I love these. Isms and these uh, bumper sticker truths, they are um, so powerful. And um, what is it that you say everybody's always wanting you to have uh, refrigerator magnets of your work, right?
3: Well, you know, I do have them. If you go to wakeuplaughing.com, many of the Swami sayings are on refrigerator magnets now. You know, we've got the, let's see, which one do we have? Um, you know, life is a joke, but God is laughing with us, not at us. Drive your karma, curb your dogma. So there's many, many of these. And uh, you can go and see which of the magnets uh, kind of uh, stick with you, and uh, you can buy them. Uh,
2: the best way to illuminate the darkness is to make light of it.
3: I love That's that. That's one of them. Yes, they should be right up on the website. A whole bunch of magnets like that. And, you know, these are silly reminders, but you know what? We need to remember to laugh because people don't take laughter seriously. And that is why the world is in such serious condition, because of our conditioning to be serious. So we want to take laughter more seriously and seriousness more humorously.
2: Well, there is just so much information on, on your website. And, and for those of you that are teachers um, working with children or, or teachers working with adults, people that are in managerial roles, um, people that are in ministry and authors. Uh, there is such a, a great wealth of information that you can find on, on this website to integrate into your talk. I've already got several ideas of what I can do coming up next week on Sunday because there is just a, a, a wealth of information. Does it just, does it just come to you naturally? Swami, I mean, um, yeah. do you take retreat and, and think about these essence of, okay, universe, what's going to channel through me now? Or is it just every day something comes and you write it down on a sheet of paper?
3: Every day something comes, and I like playing. Yeah, you know, the other night we you know, we're we're visiting Florida, and we, we went to a little gathering, and it was inspiring because people were in a very playful mood, and I started channeling um, Dean Martin. Um, you were talking, uh, Dean Martin on Enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when the light hits your head and you know you're not dead, that's samadhi. You know, it just it just comes to me all the, all the silly stuff like that. And what happens is, you know, when you you know, I've got my ten thousand hours doing this. You know, a friend of mine, um, you know, when he was in college, he was close friends with a very, somebody who's now very famous uh, singer. You know, and now it's like you know, thirty-five years later, and he's going, "My, she is so good." And he's a musician as well. And I said, "Well, you know, she's been doing that all the time for the past thirty-five years." And and so, this is what I've been doing. Um, my mind works this way. Um, my my wonderful wife, Trudy, laughs and encourages me. I could see where some people might go, "Hey, stop!" But she loves it. She plays along. We come up with stuff together, and, um, you know, when it just happens naturally, I write it down, and then it develops sometimes into a routine. You know, sometimes in the course of the Swami um, in the show, the whole second half of the program, uh, the Swami is taking live questions from the audience, and, you know, and sometimes the universe... Really, I, I, sometimes I have a feeling that there's something called a farce field. I'll give you an example. I was doing a program for a uh, an HMO in California a number of years ago, and it was something called the physician wellness program, which was of course an oxymoron because these doctors were totally, totally stressed out. And I'm doing, and I noticed that at least three quarters of the physicians in the room were from third world countries, and so the Swami is speaking. And all of a sudden, the universe intervened, and over to PA we hear, Your attention, please. Your attention, please. Will the owner of a white explorer, license number bk three four five zero. please move your vehicle. You're blocking traffic. And, of course, the Swami looks up at the PA, and he looks at the third world people. He says, You know, I've always thought that most of the problems in this world have been caused by white explorers. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that is too in the killer. moment,
3: something like that can happen when you're not trying when you when you go into a space of of being flexible and receiving and um and being willing to play with the universe. the universe will come up with amazing comedy for you if you begin to notice it that's all
2: so allowing.
3: It is allowing. That's exactly right. Here's, here's one. You'll love this because you used to be a, a religious science minister. I was doing a program at, at, at a religious science church, and there was a woman who asked the question, and she asked, it was a serious question. She says, hey, you know, I've been doing the spiritual mind treatments for my, for my mate, and he hasn't shown up yet. What do you say, Swami? And Swami said, well, along with the science of mind, you need to practice the science of I don't mind. <laughs>
2: We could use a lot of that, right? We could truly use a lot of that. Yeah, the allowing
3: piece, because so much of, um, this is what I've been learning lately. I'd say my latest learning has involved that, you know, on the, uh, I did a program the other day, and I said if I had something, if I told you I had something that would solve all of your problems instantly, and I'm not kidding, I have this thing, would you be interested? Yeah. And so what I brought out was my box of absolutely nothing because nothing will solve your problems instantly. And when you look at the word nothing, it's no thing. It's no thing. And we tend to, in our materialistic world, we tend to put the solutions outside of ourselves in the form of something or some teacher or some panacea that is... We don't have it. We're pursuing happiness. You know, it's out, it's out there. And if only I had Bill in the blank or if only I didn't have Bill in the blank, I'd be happy. And what we're coming to learn more and more as we study the physiology of happiness, we find it's an inside job. If you just look in the mirror and smile, just by turning the corners of your mouth upward, which Swami calls the levitational pull, just by doing that, you change your body's physiology and the hormones that, you're, um, that you secrete are beneficial rather than harmful.
2: I tell you, that swami is so wise. Um, how did swami come into being into your life?
3: Do we Very all have question. a swami? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was When I was doing my little newspaper for the tree workers in Ann Arbor, uh, I'm sitting uh, and writing some stuff, and this name flies into my head. I'd like to say I got struck by an lightning during a brainstorm. And this name, Swami Beyond Ananda, made me chuckle because those people who know Ananda means bliss, and all the Swamis, Muktananda, Satchitananda, Yogananda, on and on and on, Ananda, they all got Ananda. And so Beyond Ananda became a funny name, and I used him as a character in my little magazine. And then when we started Pathways, my friend uh, Josh and I started a paper called Pathways in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which was one of the first holistic publications. We realized that people took their spirituality in those days very, very seriously. And so as a counterpoint, and because we both were kind of playful imps, uh, as a counterpoint, we decided that we needed to have a character like Swami Biyandananda. And that's exactly what we did. Uh, Swami became kind of our mascot. In fact, the first issue of Pathways, we had kind of a parody of the old um, famous Art School ads. You know, we're looking for people who want to draw. Our ad was, we're looking for people who want to draw on higher consciousness. And there was a testimonial letter, dear Swami, loved your leadership training. Please send followers. You know, and and so people loved that because it was poking fun, and it was it was putting the human into spirituality. It was, you know, it was including all of the chakras because you know laughter is an in body experience. Everybody would look on, out of body experiences. Swami says, "Let's go for the in body experience of laughter," and that's why it caught on because first of all, Swami is he's an insider. He is not. Meanly poking fun, uh, he's not ridiculing at all. He's simply pointing out our human foibles and and some of the uh, some of the foibles of the of the spiritual movement. You know, in those days, um, you know, we we're supposed to be non-judgmental, and so the Swami would say, "I think people who judge are terrible, and people who blame are the cause of all the world's problems." You know, and then that way people have their own little blind sides and their own little rigidities reflect back to them. And then the laughter, in the wake of the ha-ha, there's an aha, an insight. And then there's a ah, as we go from the uh, mental, from the head, until, to the heart.
2: Well, what I love about it also is that you're able to go through a door that there's a sense of opening um, a sense of welcoming, that often someone that's doing a lecture or talking at or even talking with with another person may not be able to get to. But you're coming in from almost like this channeling field, you know, with this uh, different essence, this different feeling, and and people just hang on to every word. I mean, it, they literally do. I know because I've I've known people that have come to your programs, and they're just so impacted by it. Um, there's definitely something to be said to the idea of, of of the costume and the energy, and the presence that go with that goes with it. Versus, you know, somebody else that might have said the same thing, you know, eight times. But when Swami Beyondananda says it, people go, "That's what the Swami says."
3: <laughs> you know, it's really interesting the way the universe. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, Swami says he's a. He's got two afflictions. He's paranoid, and he's dyslexic, but it really works out because he believes the universe is plotting to make him happy, and there's nothing he can do about it. So what I, what I find is that in in the space of doing this character, um, magic happens because, as you, you very rightly said, it's a larger-than-life character. It's a bit of a caricature, and it works with everybody. I remember we, I was doing a radio show, and it was in this, you know, small town in Oklahoma, you know, and it was a call-in show. And people, these people were not into spiritual stuff, but they knew they could ask the Swami a question. This woman calls in. She says, Swami, my dog has a problem. My dog eats rugs. And the Swami says, well, let me ask you something. Does your dog like eating rugs? She says, he loves it. I said, well, is your dog good at eating rugs? She said, he really is? I said, well, then, your dog doesn't have a problem, does he? Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's a way of playing with people. It's a way of, it's a way of pulling the rug out because, you know, the rug is, we think we know it. You said it, the very first thing you said in this program, you said that, you know, it's what we learn after we think we know everything, and it's very you know, because we live in the so-called civilization that we do, people want to look good, they want to be smart, and they want to seem like they know they already know everything. And uh, the space of not knowing, in a jokey way, I say that the best way to face the unknown is by not knowing. But if you listen to Dalai Lama, who I really admire. You know, I I heard him being interviewed by a a very serious American Buddhist scholar. And for every other question, Dalai Lama's answer was, I don't know. (laughs) And it it was hilarious because here is somebody, if anybody knows, he knows. But at least he knows he doesn't know. And that creates the space of possibility. Not knowing creates the open space of possibility.
2: You know, I was so thrilled that he uh, spoke in Washington um, last Thursday. He opened up the U.S. Senate meeting, so it's very powerful for those of you that didn't have an opportunity to just look at it. You can Google uh, His Holiness Dalai Lama U.S. Senate, and you can see it on C-SPAN. That was um, just one more step towards what we're talking about today as i'm talking with steve Behrman, who also is by divine appointment swami beyond ananda you can go to their website which is WakeUpLaughing.com. i'm sure that yourself along with so many people in your life have forgotten the tool called laughter and to lighten up uh, so the light can be there and be present I want to thank all of you that continue to watch us online at unitycampus.org and find out about the various activities that we offer. Also, we have a movement called Life Rights, which we honor the life in all living things. And you can find out more about that at templehays.org. Um, thank you for your attentiveness with Swami. When we come back right after this short, short break, uh, we're going to be asking Swami some more eternal questions. We'll be right back. Thank you for being with us.
3: Unity Institute and Seminary invites you to take a spiritual tour of Eastern Europe. Spend 10 days and 9 nights in the heart of Europe, September 17th through the 26th, 2014. Visit the magnificent capitals of Eastern Europe, including Budapest, Vienna, and Prague. Stay in first-class hotels, enjoy guided walking tours, dine on local specialties, and even take a boat cruise on an underground lake. A portion
1: of your trip will benefit Unity Institute and Seminary. Explore the culture, sights and spirit of Eastern Europe with Unity Friends. Book your trip today. Call
3: 800-828-4813. That's 800-828-4813 or visit unityinstitute.org/travel.
1: Oprah Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book Discover the Power Within You changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They share Unity's classic teachings. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings. Follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine these foundational teachings through the works of Unity authors past and present. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic teachings, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. return to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with your host, Rev. Temple Hayes.
2: And welcome back,
1: everyone.
2: Um, What a pleasure today as we're talking about the wisdom of Swami Biyandananda, um, great, uh, simple ways of of living. Um, I love the one that says the creator is watching the comedy channel and we are all we are what's on <laughs> great job with that swami namaste
3: well, yeah well namaste too for a little bit then go after that but, <laughs> <laughs> you know i think that part of the you know part of the perspective you know if we're fortunate we get to do something that teaches us simultaneously and um, Swami has been a really good teacher for me, because even though I've always had humor, I don't think I've always been light. And um, having a character like the Swami, um, he's an innocent. You know, he's good-hearted. And I grew up in New York, where humor is kind of mean, and you're expected to insult your friends. If you don't insult them, they get insulted, you know, so so... This has really helped me. I, I would say that Swami Beyond Ananda has helped put me on a different spiritual path where I think my heart has become more open in the process.
2: Oh, yeah, it would have to, you know, just, just because you're so humble to allow this energy and these great tish- teachings to come through you.
3: Yeah, and I like I like saying it's channeled because then if it doesn't work, I can say, "Hey, it's not my fault; it's all channeled." <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: that's you got to have a back door. Have a That's there.
2: right. You got to have a back <laughs> door. Absolutely. Well, um, the with the many things that that you have experienced over these last few years, is there um, a couple of defining moments that you go, "Wow." Uh, Those are the right words at the right time, and they have really altered the course of my my life?
3: Well, you know, first of all, uh, let me go back a little bit. Um, You know, in in 2011, three years ago, um, my wife Trudy and I had a near-death experience. And, um, you know, with with the economy doing what it did, um, we found that we had to leave our home, our big and beautiful home, uh, that we had been renting for many years, and really, really downsize and we called our process involuntary simplicity. And in the process of letting go of things that were no longer our love now, as Trudy would say, things that, um, in a certain regard, sometimes you can have things, and sometimes for some people it's a career, for some people it's certain relationships with certain people, that are preventing you from moving forward in life and being all that you can be, being your full, authentic self. And so in the process of letting go, um, we experienced tremendous synchronicity, um, magic. You know, we're more in love with each other than we've ever been, and it's more genuine. And it had to do with releasing the structures in our lives that slowly had become put it had been controlling us because you know you have to you know make this amount of money to keep up with that overhead and so on last week we were on a cruise the holistic holiday at sea a wonderful uh, cruise out of miami to the caribbean and one of my cohorts on the cruise is uh, jacob lieberman who i hope you get to meet sometime uh, l-i-b-e-r-m-a-n he's a He's formerly an ophthalmologist. He's written books about light and and the eye and enlightenment. And you know, we were on this cruise, and it was a vegan cruise. Even though I'm an omnivore, um, you know, they had very delicious vegan food, and you can choose other other choices. And what Jacob and I noticed is that a lot of the people, many of the people, had been had chosen this diet as a healing diet, which is wonderful. And we also noticed that that there was a certain tendency toward rigidity and judgment. And he he kind of poked me with his elbow. He says, notice how many people, and it wasn't talking about just people there, but people everywhere, think that there's something wrong with them, that they have to do something or be something, or they're not who they are, or there's something that they have to do or be or have in order to be complete. And so last week... I did the, you know, I allowed myself to do the practice of I'm okay the way I am. I'm okay with what I have and with what I don't have, and it's been really very interesting because, first of all, more than ever, I have felt things naturally working out and falling into place um, as I have reminded myself that I'm not really in control. And, you know, we live in a uh, in a civilization where we're told that we need to be in control, that we, we are, you know, somebody asked the Swami, Swami, do we create our own reality? And Swami thought, and he said, well, like, we used to, but now it's mostly made in China. Yeah. So, you know, we, it, it, the, for me, recently, the most powerful things have had to do with recognizing that there really is only one problem, only one issue. And that issue is... Separation from your own resources, meaning separation from your own connection with source. And I know it sounds simplistic, uh, and yet when you really become aware of how little control we really have, you know, we have, you know, we can we can choose to respond to our situations. Or we can choose to be in integrity and that sort of thing. But in terms of the externals out there. Uh, if we think about how some of the greatest moments in our lives came about by accident, we met the person who we end up spending our lives with. We, we found a job that we've had for 40 years that we love. And, and if you think about how did this really happen, was it calculated, or was there a moment of magic where there was a space of surrender into possibilities, and these new possibilities emerged? and. I think in in these evolutionary times, that's the space that we want to be in. We can set the intention for living in a world that works for everyone. We can set the intention for um, expressing and uh, embracing and broadcasting love as much as we can, and the details of what that looks like and how that looks like um, may yet be determined and... That's where the magic of life is in the surprising ways that these things unfold.
2: Mm, I like that very much. It's a very beautiful way of of putting it. Um, Often I say uh, to the creator, we say what, and we allow the creator to define how. Because when I'm starting to work on the wow, uh, the how it's going to come into being. Well, it becomes a wow <laughs> because yeah. I am, I am uh, mindfully aware of how any any sense of control or, I mean, we sometimes can get in our own way because we're not um, dreaming big enough, you know, of what could exactly. be and what can come into
3: being. Precisely, and. and- I think the biggest encouragement I have to people is if there is a crisis in your life, if there's pain in your life, really look at what is the message. And it, the message is not you're bad, you shouldn't have done this. Let's let that garbage go. But the message is, what is your, you know, what are you being called for to do? And it could be something as simple as, uh, you know, when I. Uh, had to take this tree work job. I had written a book published by Simon & Schuster. i have been teaching at the college level. Here I am getting up for work every day, chipping brush and, you know, wearing a hard hat and so on. And yet it was that humbling experience that called me forth to the career that I've had for the last 27 years.
2: I too have seen that, you know, just those detours the disappointment mm-hmm. equals a new appointment doesn't it steve
3: absolutely and the detour becomes the a tour
2: yes absolutely so um, where um, when people want to follow you they can obviously go to your website they can yeah. do you do a blog or do you I'm highlight when you're going to be in certain cities and you have facebook and is all that listed on your website
3: absolutely i'm tw- i'm on twitter i haven't done much this week but uh, swami because he speaks in epigrams he has a tweetable condition so he does tweet um he retweets too but he advances um and then um on my website wake up laughing uh, you can see there's calendar events um in the next couple of weeks um well we won't go into where i'm going to be but uh, i'm always looking for the opportunity to travel uh, we do Lots and lots and lots of spiritual centers, theaters, conferences, churches, um, holistic centers, uh, businesses. Um, and so the Swami will be in uh, 20, uh, 2014 uh, from July through November on tour of the United States. If you want to um, see about booking the Swami, although the Swami has been booked, but he's never been convicted, uh, if you're looking at booking at the Swami, Um, it's on, just send info at Wake Up Laughing and send a note saying, hey, I'm interested. How do I I get the Swami to appear? And I also do Skype appearances. I've um, done a a couple of shows in recent months via Skype. So um, that can be done less expensively without my traveling and so on. And I have a blog called Notes from the Trail. And if you go to... uh, Wake Up Laughing, you can get on Notes notes from the Trail website. And then, of course, there are many uh, Swami's books and tapes and Spontaneous Evolution and so on. Very excited about the Evolutionary Upwising, which will be launching in the next couple of months as well. And I'm, I have a feeling Reverend Temple will, will be hearing about that. So, um, you know, if you don't hear about it from me, you'll probably hear about it from her. So uh, I'm... I'm excited about all of the awakening that's going on all around the world during this amazing time that we're living in.
2: Oh, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, and I'm thrilled that you have a book coming out. You know, I have a a book coming out by a major publisher in October, so we just hold that this is the year for the authors of those soaring and sizzling books, that's for sure, and I'm very um, much looking forward to, to getting yours. It'll be out in a couple of months, you said.
3: Yeah, the, uh, the the book I'm working on right now, since we are we're using a self-published model, that one is, is going to be out as an ebook book and as a uh, book book uh, in September. And right. uh, we're going to have a new manifesto that people can sign um, saying, you know, I do want to live in a world where we're gathered under one big intent, survival for all.
2: I love that. Uh, yes, we do. We want to live in a world that we're all living under one great tent and intention. Um, mm-hmm. It has been my pleasure to have you on the show today. Um, and I'm so glad that we reconnected on Global Oneness Day on the radio show, that it was a 24-hour show dedicated to, to oneness. How powerful was that? So I give thanks for spirit, um, Reconnecting us, again, uh, one of many uh, journeys and walks to come uh, that I feel sure about. So, again, please go to wakeuplaffing.com, visit us at unitycampus.org, and most importantly... Because of this show, we give thanks for Unity Online Radio and those of you that contribute to this beautiful presence for this voice of an awakening world. I'm Temple Hayes. It has been my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you, Swami Bhyandananda.
3: Well, thank you. Namaste and Namasko.
2: Goodbye. Namaste and Namasko. Goodbye.
1: Thank you for tuning in to The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being with Rev. Temple Hayes. Join us every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central for tools and simple applications which will support you from being alive to fully living. This program is brought to you in part by First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. To learn more about this ministry, go to www.unitycampus.org. Or www.templehays.org. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
2: Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the Quest for Prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation.
1: This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity.